Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Um, hey, so uh, you may understand this, uh, but uh, as pastors sometimes and as people sometimes we can get uh, possessive of our churches. And uh, But how many of you know this is Jesus' church? And uh, I, I'm here to be uh, led by him, and, and uh, hopefully we're here to hear from him today. And um, I just, I don't know about you, I just really sense a sweet presence of the Lord here this morning. Am I the only one? I hope not. I, I, I really sense the presence of the Lord. And uh, I just wanted to take a minute before we get into the message and everything else and we move on, can we just acknowledge that he's here just for a minute? I, I know we get moving so so fast through life. Uh, I've got three kids. Uh, you've got kids. You've got business. You've got work. Uh, and, and we come to church, and, and we can, if we're not careful, we'll make our church-going experience routine as well. But I don't know about you, but I'm here to encounter the person of Jesus. And yes, I'm the guy with the mic, but I want to leave changed uh, by his spirit. So if we could, could we just take just a moment just to acknowledge that he's here before we move on. It's nothing weird. We're just going to thank him for his presence and, and focus our hearts in just a little, little tighter on him. Is that okay? Can we do that real quick? Would you bow with me? And let's, let, let's just acknowledge that the Lord's here. Father, thank you that you've graced us with your presence this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here revealing Jesus to us. Lord, we give you honor and praise today. Lord, indeed, what a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name. The name of Jesus. You have no rival, Lord. You have no equal. Lord, you're so high, you don't even have an opposite. And so, Lord, everything that's coming at us, just as the song says, is silence the boast of sin and grave. Lord, would you silence the voices in our life, the things? Would you, would you clear out the clutter just for a little while, God, so that we can hear from you, that we can encounter you, and, Lord, that we can leave this place changed by your spirit. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, the... We like to plan things around new life. Anybody ever notice that? Uh, we like plans. We like to stick to them and do them. But, you know, the scripture says in Proverbs that a man makes his plans, but in the end, the plans of the Lord prevail. And so I, I know your pastor, Kevin. I love Pastor Kevin. You guys have the most awesome pastors in Kevin and Robbie. Love them so much. Give it up for them. Come on. Uh, they're amazing. And uh, Kevin is just a huge blessing uh, to my life. And uh, since he's a psychologist, he can say this. Uh, he said, Calvin, hanging out with you is just like, you know, taking a Xanax. It's just fun. <laughs> I said, I, I can't really, uh, I, I don't really get that. But sure, I believe you, Doc. Uh, that's when he stepped into being a doc. But I, I do love Kevin very much. Uh, he and I have similar backgrounds. And so we, we make fun of each other. Uh, well, and uh, we have a good time together. Uh, also, want to honor my family, uh, who's not. I brought my oldest son, Cohen, there, who's standing next to my wife. He's down here on the front row, waving everybody, Cohen. Yeah, and uh, he had to come with me today. And then uh, 
That's my, my younger son there. Look at that face. Can you tell me he's, don't tell me he's not trouble. Look at that face. He's trouble. How many of you, your second child, if they'd have been your first, you'd have had one child? Come on now. Cohen, easy baby. Cannon, right, let's don't even talk about it, okay? There's a reason I don't have hair, okay? And then uh, that's Caroline. She's six. That's my little baby girl. So she redeemed the second one, and it's uh, no, it's all good. I, I love my kids. That's my wife, Bryn. Uh, we've been married uh, 18 and a half years. We've been together 20-something. 20 and uh, so anyway, we'll, we won't talk about that. Uh, but uh, I'm thankful for my family, and uh, we love BB. Um, we love being in BB. I know that sounds crazy. How could you love BB? I don't know. I'm from there, okay? I graduated high school from BB. I grew up there, and uh, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee in 2006. Uh, some of you may or may not know my story. I, I toured professionally um, in the music business, uh, and uh, I loved it. I still travel with one artist, and uh, on occasion, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but ministry was always my heart, and uh, the Lord had always called me to preach and pastor. And uh, how many know it just was me delaying it a little bit. Anybody ever hesitant to obey the Lord? Uh, come on, let's be real. And, uh, and so uh, here we are. We've been a church uh, just a couple of years now, a little over two years. And uh, God is doing really, really awesome stuff in BB. And I'm part of a church that's not just in one city. We're in multiple cities. Like, you guys feel like my family, too. I just feel like I'm at home, except I got a little upgrade. It's a little bigger, okay? I got a little more space. And, uh, and so uh, we're, we're excited to be here today. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Parables, and I've enjoyed this series. Uh, you know, anytime you're reading the red words, it's going to be good. And uh, so I, I'm thankful for uh, Jesus and the way he taught stories and, uh, and, and what he did. And I've really enjoyed this series on parables. I've had a lot of fun teaching it. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the series yourself and you feel like you've gained uh, something from it, some spiritual insight. I know I have. And so have you ever noticed that despite what we may say or do, some of us is more saying, some of us is more doing or maybe not doing. We like rules. I got any rule breakers in the house? Come on. I'm one of them. I'm, anybody always, I'm looking for the loophole. I'm just saying. I would have made a great lawyer, okay? And, uh, but we, we, the first thing, what is the first word that we learn when we're kids? No. No. And as a parent, you get tired of saying it. And, and so I know I do. I think... I probably, if I had a dollar for every time I said no, I would be a very wealthy man. And uh, I think that as we grow up and we go through this life sort of dizzily stumbling through and trying to make our way, it seems like there's always a do and there's always a don't. Don't do that. Don't sit there. Sit there. Don't put that in your mouth. Eat this. Right? Then we go to school, it's the same thing. Uh, sit here, walk here, be quiet. Don't slap that kid. Don't eat the glue, right? Uh, I can see some of you glue eaters out there. I can tell who you are. Um, now, for me, like I still go back to elementary school or go to have lunch with my kids or something. And anybody know the red line? 
on the sides of the hallway, right? I still walk on those stupid things. And then the kids are like, sir, excuse me. And I'm like, why am I walking on this line? The conditioning was good, okay? I'm just saying. How many of you teachers thankful it's summer? Mm-hmm. Anybody in the house? How many of your parents like when school start? For some reason, my children think it's my job and obligation to entertain them. I like the style of parenting my mother and father did. Uh, the sun's up. Get outside. I'll see you at dinner. I liked that. Uh, or as my dad would say, go play in the street. <laughs> and so uh, we can't, I, 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 don't, I don't think I can get by with that uh, in today's society. So, um, but if we're not careful, we take this sort of rule, this idea of do's and don'ts, and simply of, uh, of obeying rules, and we will put this on to our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with the Father God. And if we're not careful, we'll only think of our relationship with God as do's and don'ts. After all, Jesus did say in John chapter 14, if you love me, what? You'll obey my commandments. But today I want to talk to you about how our relationship with the Lord is so much more than just do's and don'ts. It's so much more than just rules and regulations. Could you imagine if we lived every relationship like that? Could you imagine if we just lived every, every single uh, relationship that we have in our life just by rules of do's and don'ts? Like when you meet somebody for the first time, you hand them your little laminated card that says, my rules. And then you expect them to memorize those, follow those to a T, or you can't be in relationship with them. Imagine if you handed your spouse one of those. Guys, we definitely can't get by with that. The honeydew only goes one way, right? I guess they do get a double standard once. But how would that make our relationships if we only lived like that, with just a, a little rule here, a little rule there, like, whoops, I didn't uh, set the thermostat to the right temp. Whoops, I didn't hug them twice before I left. Uh, she told me no bad jokes, too late. It's the only kind I have. And, and so could you imagine that that would make our relationships with one another extremely cold, wouldn't it? If we just lived by do's and don'ts interacting in our relationship. Bryn, my wife, had one of these rules when we first got together. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing Pastor Kevin doesn't move as much as I do, does he? Because this is right here, right where I want to stand. Um, uh, I have a little ADD. Pastor Kevin is probably more chill than me. So if I trip, y'all can all laugh. We'll have a good story. It'll be okay. Um, but Bryn, my wife, had one of these rules when we first got together. She hated onions. Anybody hate onions? I'm going to pray for you, okay? It's always women. Guys are like, nah, you know, but the women are like, yeah. And so when we got together, she hated onions. So I, like, I couldn't have them on a burger. And who doesn't love a good, cool, crisp onion on a burger? Wait, what time is it? Is it lunch time? Yeah, okay. We're getting close. I'll hurry up. No. Uh, I think in my mansion in heaven, there's going to be a room. There's going to be a kitchen with a, an open fire. Y'all think with me here. Chunky boys, we talk about food, okay? You get a cast iron skillet over that open flame. Little melted butter. Mm. Little fresh garlic and some onions. Then I don't care what goes in after that. Maybe a ribeye, maybe a steak, you know, I don't know. It's my mansion. Y'all can have it your way. But now my wife loves onions. 
Some of y'all get that later. She just couldn't stay away, okay? Thank you. <laughs> Gotta love the courtesy laugh. I love it. But the, the crazy thing to me is that we are this way with God. We really tend towards this with God. Well, I'm supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to do this. We have our lists of do's and don'ts. And then the problem, though, especially in the South where we have this awesome cultural Christianity, is we compare each other with our own rules that the other person doesn't know about. Anybody in the house? That's true. We do it. We're good at that. We got that cultural Christianity. But the problem is we, we, get, we get lost in these do's and don'ts, and then we don't even think about how does this make God's heart feel? Where's God's heart? Where's his heart on this? And this brings me to the parable of the two sons. First parable we're going to talk about today. Let's look at it. Matthew 21. But what do you say about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. That makes sense as a parent. But later he changed his mind and went away, went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. This also makes sense as a parent, right? Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live. But you didn't believe him, and while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. So here Jesus keeps saying, they, they, who is they? It's important. Anytime you're trying to understand Scripture, when we rightly divide the Word of God, it's very important that you understand the context in which it was written and the audience uh, whom it was written to. Okay, In this particular parable, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Okay, The Pharisees were the keepers of the law, if you will. They, had, they were the religious experts of their day. They had the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They had it memorized, okay? You ever tried to read through some of that? Can you imagine memorizing that, okay? They had it memorized. They knew the law and the prophets, which should have made them the first to recognize Jesus as Messiah. Yet what did they do? They persecuted Jesus. They did everything they could to find a way to get rid of Jesus. Why? It's because he was challenging their status quo, and they were more married to their traditions than they were the heart of God. They missed the forest for the trees. They were about the law, but they were not about the God of the law. They were not about the heart. They didn't see Jesus for who he was. Listen. I think it's important that we understand that Jesus did not die a horrible, agonizing, grueling death on a cross so that we could have an awesome little Christian club religion. He did not die for that. The Lord did not send his son so that you and I could have an awesome religion about him. He sent his son, and Jesus did what he did so that we could have an amazing relationship with him. Amazing relationship with him. And so today I want us to look at a few things that we can learn from this parable. And, and I think most importantly, how we relate as humans 
to our Father God who's in heaven. The first thing we need to understand is this, is he meets us where we are. He meets us where we are. Look at verse 32. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. It's very clear here that John the Baptist did what? John the Baptist came. In other words, he was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. John the Baptist was, hey, wake up. Jesus is coming. Listen up. And then what did he do? What did God do? He sent Jesus. In other words, we see all throughout Scripture, we see a God who's transcendent and far above it all, yet imminent, who desires to come after those who would love him. We see that God comes after us. So he meets us where we are. I think this is so, so important. Because I see so many people say, well, you know, I, I just, I'll invite them to church or something. Hey, I, you know, I just, I need to get some things together before I come do that. You ever heard anybody say that? Or maybe, I, you know, there's some stuff in my life I need to get straight before I come to church. I, I don't know if I can, you know, not yet. Can I tell you that's one of the greatest lies ever perpetrated by the enemy of our souls? Why is that? Because there's nothing you can do to clean up. In and of yourself, there's nothing you can ever do to be good enough to come to Christ, to come to the Father God. It's only through the blood and the work of Christ on the cross. There's nothing you can be, there's nothing you can do to be good enough. That's what the whole law showed us is that man in and of himself can do nothing himself to reconcile himself to God. That's a lot of himself. There's nothing that we can do to reconcile ourselves to God. Don't allow the enemy to fool you. Don't allow him to fool you into thinking that you can, you got to wait, don't, 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 don't go to church yet. You, you need to get some things together. You don't even have the right clothes to go to church. Well, don't, don't start serving because they're going to know you're struggling with some stuff. They're going to know that your life's not completely perfect. When you start getting in relationship with people, they're going to know. You, you might want to work on this. What does that sound like to you? Condemnation. If I'm not mistaken, the Bible that I read says there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Jesus. None. Made me think of this story I heard about this guy. This pastor, this pastor walked into a local bar. This story's already good. That would really get him in trouble in Cersei, okay? Oh, I love Cersei. Y'all, y'all go easy on me, okay? Don't send Pastor. Can you believe Pastor Calvin said that? Okay, don't do that. It's okay. We're, we all love each other here. But this pastor walked into the bar and he was going to go evangelize. Okay, and uh, so he, he went in, and he saw this guy named Joe that he knew. He said, Joe, he said, man, you want to go to heaven? And he was like, well, sure. He's like, okay, go over there and stand by the door. He's like, all right. He just followed along. And then he walked over to another table. He saw another guy he knew named Bill in the community. This is a little roughnecks, you know, not, not quite the cream of the crop. 
And uh, he said, Bill, he said, I know you, man. And I, I just, I want you to go to heaven. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? He said, hmm, I guess so. He said, okay. He said, Bill, go back there and stand by the door for me. He's like, okay. And then he saw uh, what every town has. He saw Bubba. Okay. This was definitely an Arkansas town. Maybe it was Alabama. We'll hate on Alabama for a little while. What do you say? And uh, he saw Bubba, and he said, Bubba, he said, you know, people may write you off, but I, 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 think, I think God's got a plan for you. Do you want to go to heaven? And he said, nope. Like, quickly. This threw the pastor off. I mean, wouldn't it throw you off? Like, who doesn't want to go to heaven? Even if you don't believe in Jesus, you still want to go to heaven. He said, Bubba, you don't want to go to heaven at all? He said, no. He said, he said I do. But I saw them standing over the door, and I thought you were getting a party ready to go now. Oh. Okay. Look at this verse. John 1, 12. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Calvin, what does Bubba have to do with this? Here's what it has to do with this. Who did Jesus say received the message? All. Somebody say all. All who came. All who believed and accepted him. In other words, even the Bubba's of the world, he came for them. Not just all the perfect people, not just all the folks that had it all together. He came for the tax collectors and the prostitutes. What you got to understand is the, the Pharisees were like the top of the top, the smartest, most powerful people. You got to, they spent their whole lives on education, everything together. They, 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 were the, they were the upper ruling class, if you will. And then Jesus is saying, hey, you know, you know who gets to hang out with me? These guys. Not you. Because your pride and your religion got in the way. So who gets to come to him? All who believed and accepted him. In other words, the people who knew that they needed Jesus. The people who knew they weren't good enough. But they were just thankful for a Savior who would meet them where they are. Second thing is that he wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. My youngest son, who I showed you just a second ago, Cannon, a couple years ago I made cookies. And uh, uh, so I, I got them out of the oven and... Uh, left them on the the stove to cool off, and, you know, when a kid smells a cookie, what do they do? They come running. And so he came running into the kitchen, and he was like, oh, Dad, I want a cookie. And he reached his hands up and said, no, 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 no. It's hot, buddy, hot. Don't. You're going to hurt yourself. He was like, but, Dad, I said, just wait a minute. So I turned around and continued to do what I was doing, and I looked back, and you remember that face he was making right there, that I said, son, don't do it. It's hot. I turn around and start doing something. I look back, and he's going, and they're kind of creeping up. Big old possum grin on his face. Continue. I said, son, it's hot. It's hot, son. They just keep going. And then what do you think happened? He's flailing around. And I said, son, I told you. I tried to tell you it was hot. 
I tried to tell you not to, buddy. But what was the deal? He was more bent on his will than he was mine. He was more after what he wanted, and he didn't care what I said. He wanted it. Look at this, the second half of verse 32. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. We saw that the first uh, brother, the first son in this story, he, he said the right thing. Excuse me, the second son. He said the right thing, but he didn't do it, did he? He didn't do it. He, 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 he was kind of trying, but then his heart really wasn't in it. It was like the Pharisees. They had this outward appearance of righteousness, like they had it all together, but their heart wasn't really in it. They had a form of godliness. They denied the power. They had the letter of the law, but not the spirit, not the heart. Look at this, John 5, 39. I love this verse. It's so interesting to me. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. This might mess with some of your theology. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. You know, we're Western-minded, so we love knowledge. We like to be the smartest person in the room. Some of us know we have no hope. That's why I have friends like Kevin, okay? When the doc's around, I feel smarter, okay? I, somebody asks me something, I'll just go, ooh, and then point to Kevin. It's, it's nice. Have a smart friend. It's a good thing. But how many of you know the Scripture says that knowledge does what? It puffs up. You know, some people live with the functional trinity of God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Bible. Do you realize? And if you read your Bible, you know that that is not how it goes. What is it, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Why is that? Jesus said in John, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. You can, how many of you know you can read the Scriptures and not get it? You could memorize it from a knowledge perspective and not really get what it's saying. Why? Because it's only through the illumination of the Holy Spirit to your spirit that you can actually understand the Scriptures. They were trying to go about this their own way, not God's way. So it doesn't matter how your start was. It's like the first son. He said, no, I'm not going. But then what did he do? He turned around and he went. Some of us may have some crazy BCs. You're before Christ. Anybody have some crazy BCs in it? It happens. Some of you may have a crazy after Christ, with Christ, but you're just living religious. Just like some people are lost in their sin, you're lost in your religion. Sure, obedience is proof of love. I understand that. Obedience is proof of love. It's more than we just say and look like we do the right things. It's that we understand the heart of why we do it. And I love that Jesus looked at tax collectors and prostitutes with joy and compassion. Because they didn't care if they said the right things. They, they didn't care if they looked right, smelled right. They just came to him as they were. Can I tell you, one of the things that will make you grow the fastest in your relationship with God is if you'll quit playing like he doesn't already know. Now, I, look, y'all watch out. I might preach, okay? Can I just tell you, be honest with God. You're not fooling him anyway. 
All your religious activity trying to hide the fact that you don't really have a real relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you, thank you for serving, but that does not replace your time with Jesus on your own. That is not, that is not a replacement for your relationship. That's a result of your relationship, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. Look at this second parable, Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Listen, the way this story is about to go, you don't want to be described that way. (laughs) Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Now, y'all read with a little imagination, okay? It's all right to imagine. We're not trying to change the Bible. We're just reading it with a little imagination, okay? And I like doing voices, so here we go. I thank you, God, that I'm not like the other people, the cheaters, the sinners, the adulterers. Bless God. I'm certainly not like that guy over there. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. Well, bully. Who's it sound like he's praising? But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you this, this sinner, not the Pharisee, Returned home justified before God. What's it mean to be justified? It means to be placed in right legal standing before God. So this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home right with God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Third thing is this. That we live from his love, not for his love. Let me say that again. We live from his love, not for his love. I mentioned this just a second ago. But some of us have colorful pasts or we have colorful presents. (laughs) Many of us live in a place where we feel like maybe we're never really going to be good enough for God's love. Maybe we would like to really experience God's love. We'd really like to experience his presence in our life, but we're really not quite sure if he's going to let us. Can I tell you some really, really good news? I like good news, okay? That's why I don't watch the news. Another sermon. Because it's never been about, the whole thing has never been about how bad you and I are. It's never been about me. None of the focus is on me at all. You know what the focus is on? His goodness. His grace towards me. If you grew up in a church that had Sunday school, you learned this. For God so what? Loved. That he did what? He gave. So that we could have life. The more I study The more I dig through Scripture, the more I see that everything he does towards us is motivated by his love for us. Let me say that again. Some of you need to know this. Some of you need to get this. 
everything God does towards you is based on his overwhelming, amazing love for you. Some of you may be like me. I grew up where I could lose my salvation just by turning my head the wrong way. I could lose my salvation like that. And I was so scared. I thought God was just Zeus waiting to, with a lightning bolt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I thought this was God. I thought he was angry at me. I thought he was ready to punish me. I thought he couldn't wait. He's just like, okay, buddy, (laughs) you mess up. I'm about to. Like it was a game to him almost. I'm not even sure why I thought this. This is where I was. This is what I felt. This is what I thought towards God. Can I tell you in one phrase something that took me many years, many heartaches, and a story I'm going to share with you in just a minute to learn? Can I tell you that he's mad about you? He's not mad at you. The Lord is mad about you. Do you know... Zephaniah, did you know Zephaniah is a book of <laughs> Nobody preaches from Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the, the Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. How do you act over your kids when they're little bitty and they do one little tiny awesome thing? What do you do? You act like an idiot. Woo, I can't believe it. Right? You'll dance around, you'll make weird faces. You make sounds no adult human being should ever make just to show that you love your kid and you're proud of them. I want to share a story with you as we get ready to wrap it up. Um, I told you a little bit about how I grew up thinking about the Lord and not really understanding at all. And My wife and I um, tried to have kids for uh, four and a half years, and um, weren't sure that it was going to happen. And um, in 2006, God called my wife and I to leave BB and to move to Nashville, Tennessee. And I did not move there to go sit with my guitar case open. On, okay, I was. That's not why I left. I did love the city, but I left because God said go. So I left my six-figure job. I left my house and my cars and all this stuff. And we packed up and moved to an apartment in the middle of a not-so-great area in Nashville. And in the time between us deciding to obey God and go and us actually going, we found out that we were pregnant with this knucklehead right down here after four and a half years. And I'm like, Lord, you know I just gave that thing up that, could pay for all this, you know? That I like to eat. <laughs> now I got another mouth to feed. And so we move. He's born in February of 2007. And you have to understand, there was a lot of turmoil around our move. There was a lot of stuff that we were leaving behind, some people that we were leaving behind um, that didn't understand. Can I tell you, sometimes when you just recklessly and willingly obey God, there's going to be people in your life that don't understand. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. But we get there, we move, and Cohen's born in February of 2007. And 
And uh, it, was, it was crazy. It was an emergency C-section. That's a whole other story for another day. It was crazy. Um, first-time parents, it gets easier the second one you have. <laughs> At least you halfway know what's coming, okay? Uh, but we just had a weird situation, and, and he was born healthy. And uh, about three weeks later, I was changing him. And uh, anybody know what it's like changing little boys? You just never know. There's a surprise waiting on you at either end. And uh, he was still so little, he still had his little belly button piece on there. And uh, I took him in his room. I laid him down on his little changing pad. And I was sitting there starting to change him. And, you know, it took us a long time to be able to have a child. And so this was just, with any child, it's amazing. But there was just, my heart was so in love with my son and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him and I'm going oh but I'm doing the thing right oh buddy I love you so much I'm so proud of you I just love you you're so handsome you're such a good big boy <laughs> I just sit there and I, I'm telling him Cohen I love you so much you're so amazing to me I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be your dad. I just can't believe I get to be your dad. This is so awesome. I love you so much. And I'll never, ever forget what happened. What happened next changed my life completely. I heard the voice of the Lord drop one word into my heart. I was not praying. I was not expecting it came out of nowhere and all he said was exactly he said exactly he said Calvin what do you do he said what do you do for me to be proud of you what does Cohen do for you to be proud of him he's three weeks old he eats he sleeps and he poops and God knows he does a lot of that. He said, Calvin, compared to me, what do you do? You eat, you sleep, and you poop. He said, what have you done for me to love you? What have you done to impress me? I said, there's nothing. He said, there's, there's nothing you can do. He said, you love your son because he's your son. He said, Calvin. I love you because you're my son. I'm proud to be your dad. I think you're amazing. I'm so excited that I get to be your dad. My poor son got a bath in tears. Because I didn't understand. You got to understand, I didn't know. Wait a minute, you're telling me that you're my father and that you love me? Not, there's nothing that I can do to make you love me? Wait a minute, you just already completely and totally love me? Yes. That ruined me. I'm still ruined. So I would say to you today, Guess what? He's your father. He loves you. He's proud of you. 
just wants you to let him love you. Believe it or not, Justin Bieber got it right. Every squirrel gets a nut once. He did. So do you understand today, what is all of this about? What was this parable really about? It was about, do I have your heart? Do you know that I'm your father and that I love you and that I'm crazy about you? Nothing you could ever do could ever make me love you more than I already did. I already gave my one and only son just so I could have you as my son or my daughter. And nothing you could ever do could ever make me love you less. It was life-changing to me. I believe today that you're hearing this story because it's going to be life-changing for you too. What will you do with what he's done? The cross of Christ forces a decision because it's where the God of the universe intersected with broken, fallen man and the intersection was love. Let's bow our heads.